Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Hallelujah. Such an honor to be with you for a second time today. Somebody clap because God is good. Come on, if he's been good, somebody just clap. For no reason, somebody just gave God glory. Thank you, Jesus, for life. Thank you, Jesus, for the air that we breathe. An honor to be with you. Actually, the first time I met Bishop Derek, and I call him Bishop Derek prophetically because uh, that's what he is. He has a regional grace upon him. You need to know that. As a matter of fact, I don't really know if you realize, because you're such a young congregation, the treasure box you have in him and his wife and his children. They are precious. They've been selected. They've been separated onto the work of the ministry. And because of that, their assignment is not an easy task. It's not easy to do what they've done. They make it look easy. You come into this place and it looks beautiful. Y'all got chandeliers and anything all over the place. You know what I'm saying? When I walked in, when I started my church 20 years ago, it was not like this. We were in a rat-infested, roach-infested community center trying to make it happen. We were scared to turn on the lights because we didn't have bread for the lights. We were, turning, we were scared to turn on the oil because Pastor Diane said we ain't got no money for oil. So she said, we're going to pray in the dark. Nice ambiance, the spirit of move in the dark, and we'll all have a good time. And I said, I, I'm looking at my breath as I'm praying. Turn on the lights. Turn on the oil. Turn on the heat up in here. And so nine years later, look what you got. To God be the glory. Soli Deo Gloria. And I said this, and I'm not trying to make First Lady feel uncomfortable at all today, because this is their day. Uh, this is all of your day. But the prices that have been paid in private, as a pastor for 34 years, my oldest is 35, all five of my children have suffered in the church. They suffered because they were PK kids and they had a higher expectation. I come out of the charismatic conservative Rahatama Church of uh, Caribbean, which means that they were very fundamentalist and very Pentecostal. And in that framework and in that ecclesiology, it's really not fair to kids. Kids can't be kids in an old school church. They're expected to go from 7 to 35. Matter of fact, you walk into certain churches today, you look at the young people, they dress like they're going to banquets. They don't look like kids. They look like adults. They look like the age when the church was started. I rejoice that I walk into this space and it's multicultural. It's multi-ethnic. It's multi-generational. You look more like heaven than most churches in Chicago. The book of Revelation says that every nation, every tribe were at his throne giving him praise. It's a sad statement that the most racist day in America is Sunday morning. Where white churches and black churches and Spanish churches and Asian churches all collectively gather in their own homogeneous ways and culture. And I understand tribalism, but we have to reflect the kingdom of God if we are an extension of the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. amen. I done got four or five people upset already and haven't even got to the base text because I've stepped on sacred cows. I'm going to step on your whiteness this morning, your blackness, your Latinoness, and your Asianness. 
I'm going to say what God told me to say, then I'm going to leave. You're going to have me back. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm hating and jealous already. I had to get dressed up for y'all. <laughs> he told me, we're in suit, doc. I said, wait a minute, we were suits. What happened to the Timberlands? What happened to the, you know what I mean? I'm looking at your party. How come I wasn't at that party? <laughs> Did you see your camera walking up in there like, you know, deacons throwing up gang signs as they're turning around? The... But that's the, that's the cultural freedom that makes it safe to be the church. And we can allow those things to happen. Because when the trumpet sounds, no matter what your eschatological framework is, no matter if you're Reformed, Charismatic, Pentecostal, Baptist, when the trumpet sounds, and one day the trumpet will sound. One day the master will come back. One day the groom will come for his bride. And when that trumpet sounds and we get caught up in glory, there will not be a line to check out the wardrobe as you get into heaven. There will not be a questionnaire to say, are you Baptist, Pentecostal, Assemblies of God, Evangelical Covenant Church, Orchard, ECC. It's just going to be, did you know him? Did you know him? And did you make him known? That's the job of the church. The Puckett family has been the founding movement leaders of your, of your church. And when I listen to the stories and I listen to the residents and I meet your faculty, I rejoice because it's a refreshing expression of the kingdom of God. You, you don't know what you have sometimes until, unfortunately, you, you lose it. And it's my hopes that you don't lose the angel of this house because he has a regional grace, which means he's not just yours, which means that there's a broader platform, a broader ministry, a broader influence that God is going to give uh, Bishop Derek and his wife as they continue to plant healthy missional churches all throughout Chicago. There are hundreds of thousands of people that need this expression of church, that need this witness where Jesus truly accepts people right where they are, as they are, in the moment of their oneness. There is a thirst and a hunger for a church that reflects the word of God and the person of God. We're in the worst polarized times in history is the church. Our ethnicity has taken over kingdom citizenship and identity. It has split us. We're split down the middle on red and blue, white and black. Brown's not even in the conversation, or is Asian. It's a white and black narrative. Where do we find ourselves in this world that is so polarized and so broken? The mooring and the center is Jesus. But if you're going to have a church called Renewal, you need to know the door that you're opening to the rest of the world. For everyone that's broken and near death and in spiritual ICU to come into this place to be made new, to be transformed, to be healed, to be regenerated, to be reintroduced to the lover of their soul. To have a name like Renewal is to be planted in dead communities where there's economic depravity where there's systemic oppression, black profiling, undereducated food famine, where there's places where everything seems like it's going wrong for those in the margins. To be a church like Renewal is to plant the gospel in the darkest of communities, in the center of wickedness where principality and power and ruler and things in high places 
are dictating bad things to happen within communities and contexts. To step into a space like this is to really step into prophetic proximity, to be close enough to the problem to bring forth the kingdom of God. And I want to say this to you. I bless the Lord. Ebenezer in Spanish. Ebenezer in Hebrew. Ebenezer means up to, I know some of you say Ebenezer Scrooge. No, not Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> Ebenezer is a Hebrew word and it means up to this place God has brought us. You're in Ebenezer right now. Ebenezer. Hasta aquí llegó. Hasta aquí trajo Jehová. It's to this place that Jehovah has brought us. I love what I think it was Derek was saying. Uh, 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 along the line, Israel, throughout Torah, they start to celebrate every victory. They start to build an altar where every time there was a victory over a pagan civilization, another pagan a tribe, they built an altar to remember where God has brought them from. The worst thing we could do as a people, as the God, as the, as the church of the living God, is to forget where God brought us from. I grew across the country talking about when we opened up, I never, as Derek stated, I never wanted to, I never thought about being a, a, a charter school executive. It wasn't, I don't even go to school. All my degrees are in literature. I am a theologian and a scholar. I am a hood rat scholar. <laughs> Straight up, real talk. Drop me in any higher theological institution and I'll dance with all the elitists. Got no problem with that. I can, I'm, I'm multilingual. I talk hood. <laughs> Hebrew, Greek, and everything else in the middle. <laughs> and then Spanish as well. I never thought that we would turn around and find Missio Day men, us taking a prophetic posture to go to the playground where little black boys were being taken to prison. Well, why were they in the playground? They were in the playground because the school was horrible. Well, then how do we, why do we witness to the school? Well, then let's go talk to the school. And find out what the school's needs are. And it was there that we found out this school is a hot mess. Just like the church is a hot mess today. And it was in that space that the Lord spoke to us and said, could there be a school that does not proselytize, which means outwardly preach Jesus, but inwardly, incarnationally express Jesus and still be funded by the U.S. Department of Education? So in none of my schools can I say Jesus. But in all of my schools, there is a spoken policy. Be good to your neighbor. Did you see what just happened there? Be good to your neighbor. I'm not saying Jesus, but I'm teaching you how to live like Jesus when I tell you love your neighbor as you love yourself. When I tell you don't covet. When I tell you don't fight. When I tell you don't destroy yourself. All the commandments are lived out in our behavior policies. And all of the faculty that we hire are indigenous and local. Because that was important to me as a person of dual culture. If you look at the social condition of systemic oppression in this country and the colonization that's happened even within the construct of the church, you see that if little black and brown boys go to a school where there's an all-white faculty, those little black and brown boys will never see themselves as leaders, teachers, principals, administrators. We need black teachers and brown teachers and Asian teachers and Latino teachers yeah, yeah. to empower our children to see beyond the poverty of the moment, to see beyond the need and the brokenness of their reality in the moment. That deconstructs colonization. That changes the system. And so in a context that's known as the poorest congressional district of the United States and the poorest community 
in the South Bronx, the Bronx Academy of Promise has multiplied itself. And now we're building a high school, $60 million in education in the poorest congressional district with 6% highest math, English, and science. With children of immigrants, to God be the glory. And you know what? You know I'm Latino, but it's not a Latino school. Because God didn't call me to the Latino church. He called me to the church. 60% of our school is Pan-African. The other 40% is a mixture of everything else. To God be the glory. Because it's diverse. It's not controlled by ethnic or culture. It is diverse and it's open to all for transformation. Can any good thing come out of the South Bronx? I say this every June as I speak in seven graduations in our network. Can any good thing come out of the South Bronx? Yes, a Bronx Academy of Promise Charter School scholar can. Tell your neighbor you're a scholar. And these days they do that. Let me ask you a question, Renault. Can any good thing come out of Chicago? Can any good thing come out of Chicago? I'm asking you, can any good thing come out of Chicago? Renewal is here. But to have a name like a renewal, to have leaders that are movement leaders, like the Puckets, that is a grace, that is a gift. And while you come into a, a, a chandeliers, light camera action, and I walked in, I went out, your worship team was off the tracks. You guys are blessed. You guys are blessed. Give it up for your worship team. You guys are blessed. When we started our church, we had a, a drummer with one arm. I said this in the first service. Boom, boom. That's all we was getting. Boom, boom, boom. And we had another senior citizen with three teeth and three strings on the banjo. And all he could do was think, 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 think. Everything started think, 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 think. Every song sounded the same. And in the Latino Caribbean culture, they sang a song, sung for three days. It like never end. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Are there any Latinos in the room that come out of that sort of, I'm by myself then, I guess. But that experience did something to me. It messed me up. But as I started to listen to the words of those hymns that never ended, I found the theology and I found the presence of the Holy Ghost that formed me, shaped me, and kept me. And my culture and language is a song that says, Jerusalem, que bonita eres, calle del oro, mal de cristal. Jerusalem, the beloved city with crystal seas and golden streets. And it sings of a heaven that's created by God that supersedes the poverty, the brokenness, the issues of my moment. And the black church, as somebody prayed for me, had me on my mind, had me on their mind, took the time and prayed for me. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed for me. You're sitting here because somebody prayed for you. Yeah. You're not sitting here because you decided to come to the church. Let me just say this to you. You're not here because you decided to come. You're here because of God's providential choreography in your life. Today, at this moment, you'd be hearing my voice. The slightly overweight but very cute Puerto Rican from the South Bronx. <laughs> Praising Bishop Derek, praising his wife and his children, praising the faculty and the board of directors here, praising and encouraging, but also bringing a warning this morning. Also bringing a warning. And I struggled with this, and I said this in the first service, even until tonight. You survived nine years at Benesel, Ebenezer, praise be to God. The next ten years are going to be harder than the first nine. 
The next 10 years are going to be harder. Because in order for the church to be seen as light, the days have got to get darker. That's what the Bible teaches us. In any space of eschatological study, that means things to come. Esca means from the future to the now. And anything moving forward in the text, we see that persecution comes to the church. We see that problems come to the church. Division comes to the church. We see that earthquakes and famines and storms and global warming, all of those are biblical. Before the church starts to truly take her place in the dark, it's got to get darker. That means renewal has got to get stronger. That means that you've got to have a hedge of protection around your leaders. Because they didn't say anything to me about this. But the tears that they've cried in private over this church, the suffering that they've dealt with, the reputation, the questions, the anxiety, the fear of being the leader, the carrying the vision and asking other people to come and to follow. I shared in the earlier service, and I shared it at the end. I'm going to share it now. I'll never forget, we had a young woman. We had service. You know, we had the one-armed drummer. Didn't come to church that day. We had a young lady named Jessica sitting in the back of the church. I've been visiting five or six times. Grew up in the church. Wound up leaving the church. Is now living a lifestyle of gender confusion. And she sees the guy struggling on the, on the guitar. And we're trying to sing. And it's just as a sound right without a drum, without the bass without the percussion to keep the the rhythm going. So out of her heart, this young woman, who's a lesbian and dressed like such, walks from the back of the church, gets on the drums, because she was a drummer in the church, and then just starts to play the drums. And then the church breaks out in worship. And then the next day, the board of directors pulls me in. They say, you're out of here. You had this girl walk up in there and just drive the drive. What was going on? We're going left. This is liberal. Wait, 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 wait. What are you talking about? I'm not liberal. I believe in biblical marriage. Man, woman, I believe I'm, not, I'm orthodox. This young woman sat in the back, saw a need in the front, and from a place of the hole in her soul to worship God, she went to the front by faith got on the drums, picked up the sticks, and brought the glory down with the person that was singing. But you can't see past the fact that she looks like a boy. You can see her sin on the outside. But what about the sin that we can't see with you on the inside? You're bringing sin into the house. How can you do this? You know better. That's not why we pay you. First of all, you don't pay me. I don't work for you. I'm called by Jesus. I work for a Jewish carpenter. (laughs) Three board members quit. We fought about four hours in this board meeting. And I said, do you even know her name? Do you know how she wound up being in that position of questioning her identity? Do you know what she suffered at the hands of family members that abused her? and ravaged her over and over again. And now she comes to a church, and in the middle of her living and crying out, she says, I used to worship God. And she just walks up. She just did it out of impulse. She did it because I believe the Spirit called her to it. Show me in the text where it says she can't play. Just show me in the text. Conversation over. You got my resignation. I'm done. Keep this. I don't want to be at a church 
that would lock out the most vulnerable. I want to be at a church where anybody could walk in and find renewal. I want to be at a church where drug addicts can come in, pull the needles out of their arm, and find freedom from addiction. I want to be at a church where brothers that did 17 years in jail can come home and not feel judged because they're felons. No, you're returning citizens. And we're going to integrate you back into society. And we're not going to call you by your crime. We're going to call you by the God-given name they gave you. And we're going to turn around and send you for employment. And we're going to help you unite, if you can, with your family. We're going to believe the word and call those things that are not as though they are in the mighty name of Jesus. And we're going to invite every sinner into Promised Land Covenant Church so that they can meet Jesus. That's the church I want to attend. That's the church God has called me to call. And if I can't have that church here, I need to go. Liz, get the kids. We out. No, Pastor Mike. Mo, Larry, and Curly left. They were, they were done. Mo, Larry, and Curly, because that's what the Stooges, they left. They were like, one. I was like, I'll holler. That young lady wound up staying in our church 15 years. I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I want to shout it to the whole church. 15 years. You know what? She had a conversion of a conversion. She's now married with children to a male and has walked away from a lifestyle where she found brokenness, judgment, and criticism. And I don't believe it was any sermon I could have taught or any lecture I could have given. I believe it was the day she got up to play the drums. And she followed the voice of the Spirit to have an encounter with God. Now she's renewed. Can that happen in this church? Amen. Can it happen in the churches that you're going to start planting? That's your MDNA. That's your missional DNA. Jesus says, come unto me, all who are heavy laden and burden, and I will give you. He doesn't say only these types of sins or this type of fatigue or that type of cultural situation. He says, come unto me, all who are heavy laden and burden. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Camuno Santorum, second dissertation, turns around and says that the house of God is a place for all sinners. But no sinner stays a sinner if they have an encounter with the one true God. All sinners become saints in the presence of Yahweh. That's renewal church. That's renewal church. And there'll be times when your bishop needs renewal. And there'll be times when his marriage needs renewal. And there'll be times when they're feeling and they're going through changes with their daughters. And there'll be times when they're going through changes with other extended family. And it's your job in order to protect them, to pray for them, to hold them down, even when you don't understand your pastor. Even when the vision is so big, you don't understand it. You know, uh, the senior director, the senior pastor of Promised Land One is Diane. She was my executive assistant, then became my executive pastor, has been with me for 20 years. Puerto Rican from East New York, Brooklyn. Sister was crazy when she walked into the church. Absolutely nuts. Bonkers. One of these Latinas that don't need nothing, she thinks she's, she'll, she'll, she'll shoot the fifth with you on a dime. Don't need nothing to turn around and start an argument. She's a senior pastor today. And you know what? There was times she just did not understand what I was saying. There's going to be times that God gives a vision to Derek and to his wife, and you're not going to understand it. There's going to be times you're going to see things that haven't happened yet. 
And I can tell you, because in the middle of COVID, he was influential in changing legislature so that an EBT card, welfare card, could be used to feed what? Thousands of people that didn't have access to food? Who has ever done that before? Who's ever even thought about something like that before? In the middle of a pandemic, to God be the glory. Things like that don't happen just because he's cute and he's a good looking dude, you know what I mean? But, but it don't happen because of cuteness. They happen because of humility. They happen because of sanctification and call. They happen because he's paid the price and his wife has paid the price. And this thing is birthed on their back. Appreciate every deacon, every, every worker, every singer, every person that's on the board in the back, every person that's invested. Thank you for the $20 you put in the offering plate tonight. But let me just say this to you. As this continues to be a movement, you're going to have to dig deeper and give more. And he didn't ask me to say this, but I'm telling you, the mission is too big for this building. The mission and the vision of renewal is too big for this block. You are called to Chicago. You are called to the Windy City which is one of the most segregated cities on the planet, just in case you didn't know. You go from Humboldt Park to Goose Island, straight Latino, straight African-American. You go to downtown Chicago, all white. It's almost, as if, it's almost as if if you turn around and you go one community to another, it's a whole other, it's a whole other cultural experience. That's an issue. Who negotiates that sort of separation and segregation? Who's the go-between to reconcile that divide? It should be the church. Because it's a theological crisis that the most racist day in America is every Sunday where whites and blacks and browns and Asians all go their separate ways to meet their Jesus. But is their Jesus your Jesus? And I say this to you. You look more like heaven than any other church I've been to in a long time. Because there's multi-generation, multi-ethnic, there's black, there's brown, there's white, there's Asian. You, got, you need to work on your Latino game, though, because there's only like, I'm going to keep it a buck 50. You ain't got to have me back. You know what I'm saying? I'll tell you right now. Me and Ramon ain't enough. Me, Ramon, and Miguel are not enough. And you need to throw some Spanish worship up in here and just stop playing. Start renewal. Renuevame, renewal. Iglesia renuevame. Your Spanish version. And then fill it with not just Puerto Ricans and Mexicans, but El Salvadorians, Guatemaltecos, Colombians. Multicultural, that bad boy. Because we're not all Mexican. As some politicians would say, Puerto Ricans are my favorite Mexicans. The text is Ezekiel chapter 2, one of the most prolific voices in the, New Te- in the Old Testament. Ezekiel 2, God gives a theological vision and framework to the prophet as he sends him to the assignment of speaking to uh, Israel in exile. And he said to me, son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the spirit entered into me and set him on on my feet. And I heard from him, I've heard him speaking to me. And then he said to me, son of man, I send you to the people of Israel. Derek, I send you to the people of Chicago you and your wife, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed transgressed against me even to this very day. The descendants are also impudent and stubborn. I send you to them. 
And you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear you or refuse you, or refuse to hear you, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. In 34 years of ministry, the hardest thing to do as a pastor, preacher, prophet, is to preach to people that don't want to be preached to. Jay-Z in the Blue Album says, love the unlovable, touch the untouchable. That wasn't Jay-Z. That was God speaking to Ezekiel. I send you to those who don't want to be loved and don't want to be touched. Derek, there's going to be times when you're going to preach your heart out and they're going to look at you with the deer in the headlight. Look, keep preaching. They're going to walk out, keep preaching. They're going to hold back their offering because they're mad at you, keep preaching. They're going to betray you, talk about you, your wife, your kids, like dogs, keep preaching. There's going to be pastors that hate on you, pastors that are jealous of you. Well, why he's getting all this burn? Why he on that platform? How come he's over here with them? What's going on with this guy? He just came up. Ain't he the young guy? Keep preaching. A observant is called to be faithful, not perfect. There's only one perfect being, the Yeshua, the Christ, the Messiah. We're called to be faithful, not perfect. God tells Ezekiel 67 times throughout the epistle, be faithful and do not fear. Be faithful and do not fear. Be faithful and do not fear. I wish I could stand here and tell you that we did all of this work over the last two decades and I was never scared. I was never filled with anxiety. I was never worried. I, was, I never had a rocky moment in my marriage because of the ministry. I would be lying to you. Matter of fact, I said in the first service, the biggest arguments in my marriage, I mean, teeter-totter, where the sister was like, I'm out. Why? Why are you leaving? What are you doing? Because you always trying to be Jesus. And you let these people do this stuff to you. And then you want me to be quiet and not say nothing to them. I'd rather err on the side of loving and accepting and embracing than controlling and be a dictator authoritarian. The biggest fights in my life with my wife have been, I'm trying to be like Jesus. I should, that's a fight. If I'm going to be in hot water with the missus, I'm going to be in hot water because of that. Because I try to be right with God and not right with you, mommy, and not right with them. I wanted to be right with God. If you're going to get into a fight with your spouse, fight behind that, son. Don't fight behind the Browns, the Bears, or whoever. I was kidnapped last time I was in Chicago. They took me to, what was that game they took me to? Was it, was it, 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 it was, what was it? White's not, not, no, no, not the white. It was the football. Who's you? Who's you? Not the Bears. What was it? What was it? Yeah, I think it was the Bears. And I'm going to tell you, Chicago, check this out. Chicago, Chicago, no, I didn't go to the White Sox team because I was like, I just can't, I can't go through the abuse again. Chicago is loyal. Bears was getting the beat, beat out of them. Getting jacked up, tore up. I knew in the middle of the game, I said, yo, we leaving? In another game, are we out yet? Because my Giants don't look like this. And they're like, you better be quiet. We're Chicago. I, I got to be quiet today because the Giants got whooped by the Cowboys the other day. Like, embarrassing. Anyway. But I looked at these people. Thousands, they didn't even move until the last few seconds. And then everybody was throwing their soda and their beer and said, ah. That's a stiff-necked people. That's a stubborn people. 
God has called you to a stubborn people. They're loyal to their sin. They're loyal to their brokenness. Did you catch what I just said? They're loyal to their stuff. Because they've been in that way so long, they don't know another way. Sometimes we learn how to be, dis, we learn how to be functional in our dysfunction in society. Some of you, that's not going to hit you until you get home. It's not going to hit you until you get home. Sometimes the dysfunction becomes the function and the norm. And God calls you to interrupt it, renewal. It says their generation is also impudent. But Derek, they'll know that there was a prophet among them. As you continue to be faithful to the mission and the vision of what God has called you to start and reconcile. And as you protect your wife and the church protects you and your wife and your children. You know, my children, I have five adult children, beautiful, but they suffered in the church. I didn't do a good job in protecting them the way I should have. They're all believers today. Two are in ministry, one's in social work, one's in the medical field, the other one is a veterinarian. They're all believers today by God's grace and by God's grace alone. But the expectations of the church of PK kids are so unfair they're supposed to resurrect eggs, you know? They're supposed to resurrect eggs at breakfast because they're their father's Dr. Carrion or their mother's leading worship or because they're promised land. That's ridiculous. Let them be kids. Let these young girls be... Do you have a son? Let these kids and, and son, let them be kids. Let them mess up. Let me say this to you. You're going to appreciate this later. Let them be teenagers that wild out and then come back. Derek don't play that. He's a football player. He's going to break all of them off when he needs to. <laughs> all of them. I, I know that. Listen, I know that. You get what I'm saying? He's going to pray with hands and feet when he needs to with his kids. <laughs> they don't need to get beat up by your opinion. And neither does his wife. They ain't paying me nothing to say. I'm saying this because I know. There was a time my wife didn't come back to church for a year. Because of the board of directors that was just riding her. And it was so hard for me to defend her because, you know, they're my boss. And I had to deal with the situation. And I said, listen, man, you don't want to go, don't go. But I need you there. It was difficult. Sometimes the church is its own problems. It's not the devil. It's not demons. Sometimes it's just immature leadership trying to control and stop movement. And the minute the church becomes institutionalized, it no longer becomes a movement, it becomes a monument. It becomes a statue. Wow. And people walk by and see it, but there's no fond memories of a statue. It's covered with bird poop. People throw bottles at it. It smells like beer. It no longer signifies or represents for the intent that it was established to be there. There are many churches that have turned into monuments and have stopped that Acts chapter 2 movement. And I'm glad that you brought that text up because let's talk about Acts chapter 2. That, that moment where the Spirit of God rains down upon the 120. So much to the point there was a physical reaction in the very building. Please never forget that we don't gather to be a social club. We gather as believers to have an encounter with the supernatural God of the universe. We are people of resurrection. Somebody say amen. amen. We should expect resurrection in every service. Yeah. We should expect transformation in every service. Right. 
which expect new lives and new beginnings and regeneration. We are people of resurrection. I'm looking for the sobrenatural. I'm looking for the above the natural. Pull the needle out of the arm. Get the prostitute out of the strip club. Get the gangbanger out of the street. Get that kid that's running off back into school. Those are the miracles of today. But we don't see them as miracles. You see, in my hood, it's so broken that when a kid comes to church, we celebrate because that's a miracle. When my people gather, you see how you guys are just doing all of that? They do that too in my hood. But it's real gang signs. It's amor de rey. It's nieta, it's Latin king, it's crip, it's blood. And they're throwing it up all over the place. But when they come to church, it's neutral. They're no longer blood or crip or king. They're just believers coming into the same space to have Jesus meet the need. And it's in that space where they're reformed and renewed that they find out that they're more than what they've been living like. Renewal, your assignment is so much bigger than what you have right now. These chandeliers are very nice. (laughs) But you are more than these chandeliers. And the plans that God has set aside for the puckets and for the leadership of this house, to God be the glory. But don't fear. Don't fear the vision. Don't fear when there's a new church plant. Don't fear when we send Ramon and his wife out to start a church or Cameron out to start a church or Stephen to start a church. I'm starting to fight now. (laughs) When Steve and his wife go out to start a church, support that, fund that, get behind that, pray for that. Because you need renewal churches all over Chicago. Jesus-believing churches where supernatural things happen. Somebody say amen. I can never take credit for anything that's happened to Promise Land. I can't. You know why? Because I didn't do any of it. I just stood there and was faithful. I just kept coming back. Bro, just keep coming back. Listen to me. You got a hard life? Keep coming back to church and watch things start to change. As a matter of fact, at first, your life ain't going to change. First, you got to change. He's going to change your mind, your heart, your talk, your worldview. And now you're going to go back home, fired up in Jesus. You know that when you walk into the room, that bells are rocked, right? You know because you have God in you. Demons tremble of Jesus in you. You may feel totally hopeless in your life right now, but you've got the authority of the God of the universe that's in you, renewal. Coming to a church named Renewal, but not having a renewed life. ¿Qué está pasando aquí? Better than this. Be bold. Believe God for the inexplicable. Believe God for the incredible. Believe God for this whole block. Believe God for several blocks. I'm telling you, I'm not talking about blabbing and grabbing. I'm not talking about prosperity. I'm talking about believe God for the insane and watch the incredible happen in this movement. The first time I met, uh, actually the first time I saw Derek, we were on a national prayer call. And what attracted me to him, what made me, because there was about 40 of us on there, and it was Danae, and you were praying. 
And Derek started to pray. And you know what? I heard other people pray. And some people were praying in King James for, yay, I would say unto thee. And some people were praying in Calvinistic, very reformed-ish. Lord, thank you for my justification. Thank you for the atonement. Thank you for the sacraments. Other people were praying, Lord, thank you for your kingdom. But when Derek opened up his mouth and started to pray, he said, Lord, thank you for my city, for my people, for my broken, for my community. He started to pray against systemic oppression. He started to call some things down. And I was like, pero mira, otra que este. who's this young kid? He's not a young kid. He's a full-grown man. But I'm quite older than he is. He's a young Jedi. He's a young Jedi. He's a Jedi master, but he's still a younger Jedi. It was the anointing through him that attracted me to him. And those leaders that are here, what brought you here was what God's deposited in him for you. That's why you haven't left, Ramon. That's why Steve is still here. That's why others in Cameron, there's going to be more of them. Because of what God has placed in this man. Cherish that. Pray for that. Protect that. Believe in that. Encourage that. Call them with an encouraging word. Call them with an encouraging word. Believe God for what he's doing in them and through them for your benefit and for Chicago. In the Covenant Church, we say this. This is the word of the Lord. If you can receive this, amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.